What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Bucks Film Room Podcast. I'm Brian Sampson, and I write about the Milwaukee Bucks for Brew Hoop and Forbes Sports. This podcast drops on Thursdays, and you can find it on Brew Hoop, iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else that there are podcasts, really. You can find me, myself, on Twitter, at Bucks Film Room. And today, we're going to preview the Bucks draft before making some predictions in next week's podcast. Milwaukee, they find themselves in really a peculiar spot, and so do we as fans. It's really been a long time since the Bucks. well, they've never held the 30th overall pick, but it's been a long time since they've picked this late or anywhere near this late in the first round of the draft. So I'm really excited to talk about that today. You know, of course, the draft is coming up on Thursday, June 20th, and We'll dive into some prospects here today. We'll talk about, you know, maybe some skills that the Bucks are looking for as an organization. And then we'll talk about what their other alternative is besides actually making the selection. So to begin with, just a recent draft history, the Bucks they picked 17th in each of the past two years. Of course, they grabbed Dante DiVincenzo out of Villanova last year with the 17th overall pick, and then in 2017, they grabbed DJ Wilson. At first, Wilson looked like a complete bust, but now it's looking like each player could actually you know, find a spot on this Bucks team in this upcoming season. There would definitely be opportunities for either one of those guys to carve out pretty significant roles in, in Milwaukee's rotation. They each got chances at different points throughout the season. Uh, DiVincenzo maybe a little bit more so than Wilson. Uh, but overall, they were, you know, they struggled. Well, I guess each of them struggled with injuries down the stretch uh, in the playoffs. Wilson got hurt there in the playoffs during practice, sprained his ankle, and DiVincenzo missed most of the second half of the season. So they'll have their cho- their chances. But as far as the Bucks draft history goes, we have to go all the way back to 1998. Um, 19, I don't know, somewhere around there. Yep, 1998 when the last time the Bucks selected – Outside of the 17th overall pick. So the last time they picked later than 17 in the first round was back in 1998. So that's a long time. And they really don't have a lot of picks in the upcoming seasons. This is their only pick here in 2019 because they traded their second round pick to Sacramento. And next year, their first round pick goes to Phoenix as part of the Eric Bledsoe deal. They also have sent their second round pick to New Orleans as part of the Nikola Mirotic deal from last season. So they don't have, as of right now, they don't have any picks next year as well. And then 2021, they have sent their second round pick to the Pacers and then 2022, they sent their first round pick to Cleveland in that George Hill trade. So we're really looking at, they have this first round pick in 2019, no picks next year, just one first round pick in 2021, and then no first round picks in 2022. So that's really, you know, out of the one, two, three, out of the four drafts, including this year, they only have two picks. So we'll see how that looks like, or I guess they have three picks, two first rounders and one second rounder in 2022. So we'll see what that really looks like. We'll talk about what their other alternative is besides actually keeping the pick. We'll talk about the Stepien rule here later, but that's just really kind of, we'll see how this works 
with what the Bucks do and with their growing payroll, really from my point of view, I know others maybe feel differently, the owners feel differently, but from my point of view, it's really important to keep this pick and to find a potential player, maybe not this upcoming season. It's hard for a rookie to crack a roster in the NBA, especially as the 30th pick. Um, and more specifically, if this if the Bucks end up retaining most of their players, like I think they will, it's hard to crack that deep of a rotation. I mean, Milwaukee is loaded basically at every position. I mean, obviously we'll see how offseason and free agency shakes out. But if they are going to retain most of their guys, they're going to be way deep in the salary cap. And then players on cheap contracts like this, you know, that's how you as an organization get more the most bang for your buck by getting these draft picks in here and getting contributions. I mean, we saw the Bucks get contributions from guys on really cheap deals like Sterling Brown, like Pat Connaughton, like Brooke Lopez, you know, those guys were on cheap deals and they made huge, you know, contributions to this Bucks team. And so from my point of view, really this 30th pick is going to be important to see if they can get a contributor. It won't be easy, but it's doable. It's been done. There have been players drafted in this spot that have been successful. So I think that it's really important for Milwaukee obviously they understand that I'm preaching to the choir there it's important for them to hit home on any pick but I think really this year as well just to figure out you know can they get players that just fill in on the margins and players that can help them advance even farther I know that some people would say that this isn't nearly as important of draft as any year like it's the least important draft recently, but I still think that, you know, I'm not saying it's more important, but I still think that it's got, it has a role to play. Um, in recent years, there have been some contributors that have been selected here at number 30. Josh Hart in 2017, um, Kevon Looney in 2014, Kyle Anderson in 2014, Jimmy Butler in 2011. So um, between Hart, Looney, Anderson, and Butler, you know, there are some players that have been ready to be contributors. Uh, maybe not right away. Obviously, like specifically with Butler, it took him a little while to get in that groove. Um, but he was, you know, he played significant minutes that his second year in the league. So we'll see what that looks like for the Bucks. It'll be hard for any rookie, like I said, to crack their rotation. But that opportunity is there for both them and for the rookie. So moving on, I think I rambled on long enough about that. Moving on to just talking about like some skills that the Bucks might be looking to target in this draft. And it may be skills that one, so one player doesn't possess all these skills, just to be clear. This may be skills that, you know, they're going to have to target any player that they, that the Bucks are able to draft will have imperfections. They'll be an incomplete player at this point. So they might be targeting certain skills to help boast their defense, boast their team. And one skill, well, first, I guess to, to back up a little bit, I wrote about this on Forbes Sports. So you can check it out there. Three skills the Milwaukee Bucks should target in the 2019 NBA draft. And the first one is wing defense. Um, on the surface, it really looks like Milwaukee has an adequate amount of wing defense. They have Middleton, they have Sterling Brown, they have Tony Snell, and Malcolm Brogdon can also play that role as well. However, you know, when the going got tough and the Bucks really needed stops, Boonholzer only trusted Middleton and then somewhat Brogdon to guard Kawhi Leonard. I'm not saying that the 30th pick will be able to come right in and guard Leonard, but I think that 
you know, they needed some more options that Budenholzer can develop and feel more comfortable with down the line. It took a lot out of Milton to have to be the Bucks' second leading scorer in the playoffs, but then also use all his energy on defense to try to guard Kawhi Leonard in that Eastern Conference Finals. And I think it played a role in, in him slowing down. So that's really, I think, something that Milwaukee will look to target is that guy who can play some wing defense, who can really body up and make the other guy work. And we'll see what that looks like if there's that player that's still available on the board. But I think that's one skill that the Bucks will really target in the upcoming draft. The other skill that I think they should look for is somebody who can defend the five. A, a true center, well, at least on the defensive end of the floor. Last year, Book Lopez was great in that role. Who knows if he'll be back? The Bucks will certainly, will probably try to retain him, but he'll probably get a contract offer worth more money, at least for the the for the first year. He'll probably get a contract offer like a year, fourteen million, something like that. And unless the Bucks do something really creative. They won't have the ability to match that as far as the one-year salary goes. They'll be able to maybe up the years, but not right away for that first year. So they could lose him. Even if they retain him, they need a backup five. Uh, DJ Wilson was great in that role when he got the opportunity. Or Sonny Lusova had his moments. But each of them, you know, they might be better as guys who can switch back and forth and play the four and the five. Wilson gets bodied down low. He doesn't have all that strength yet. He plays a little bit out of control, doesn't have great balance down there. So it'd be nice to get another big body on the roster, somebody who can battle with the Joel Embiid, with the Marcus Gasol, uh, with players like that. And that, that'll be really important for the Bucks. So so the other the next skill, the second skill is the is somebody a big who can defend the five, maybe more of a true center type player. The third and final skill that I outlined in that Forbes article is somebody who can shoot on the move, uh, you know, kind of like a J.J. Redick type who can come off those screens, set their feet quickly, rise and fire, you know, in a short, in a small window. I think that's something that the Bucks lacked. As good as, as good of shooters as Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon are, they're more catch and shoot type guys. Middleton can, Middleton can do a little bit on the move like that, but they're really more just spot up. Well, Middleton obviously brought his game to the next level as far as pull-ups, but they're not guys who can run off screens and knock down threes like you see a Redick or a Clay Thompson. This skill is very hard to find. It's a very tough skill to master. But there are guys out there, and one guy in specific that will go through in this draft who has shown that he has the ability to do that. I think that'll just add a whole nother dynamic to this Bucks offense. We saw them kind of run out of different options when when Toronto is able to shut them down in that half court. So this would just give them another another weapon. You know, Boonholzer tried to run some floppy screens, um, some down screens, some floppies for Nikola Mirtic. It worked, but at it worked at times, but also Mirtic's Mirtic's outside shooting slump, I mean, he couldn't knock down anything there in the playoffs, really hurt them and really limited them. So having another guy who can shoot on the move and really give the defense another something else to plan for and something else to prepare for when creating that game plan. So I think those are three skills the Bucks should target. And it's really will be interesting to see what they're going after, what they prioritize. 
So now let's jump into specific prospects. Uh, so I'm going to go through some pros and cons of, of I'll just, I'm not going to go through the whole board. I think there's a whole bunch of people. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of good sites online that you guys can read it through, but I'll just kind of go through my three favorite who I've kind of highlighted at the top and who I think that the Bucks have a really good chance of getting. But also, I'll cover those three people and then kind of two wild cards who I think would also fit in well with the Bucks. The first guy that I want to go over, and he might be going a little bit higher than the Bucks want, um, unless he slips, is Dylan Windler, the senior forward out of Belmont. So just to kind of give you a little background on him, he is about 6'8", 196 pounds. He has a 6'10 wingspan. So those are pretty solid measurements. We'll get into his weight here in a little bit, but those aren't bad measurements. He averaged 21.3 points per 40 minutes. Um, or actually, sorry, 21.3 points per game uh, in, during his final year at Belmont. And the thing I want to highlight is his outside shooting. He knocked down 42.9% of his three-point attempts. So that's really what he brings to the table is this guy who can he, who can really knock down the defense, give the Bucks another option to spread the floor. That five-out offense that Milwaukee runs is really critical, and I think that he would fit right in there. He can spread the floor. He can make people pay for leaving them open. We saw that a lot with, you know, maybe Boonholzer didn't trust guys like Tony Snell or Sterling Brown in the postseason to knock down those shots on a consistent basis, and Windler can give them another guy who can do that. He can make... He's not elite at pull-ups, but he can make down. He can make a pull-up if he needs to. Uh, the one or two like simple dribble pull-ups, he can do that. Catch and shoot—that's his bread and butter. Is he's really that spot-up shooter that can do that? He's he can move off the ball a little bit, but he's not the guy who he might not always come off the screen like a JJ Redick and knock it down. But he can do a little bit of that. I think you know that shooting is really where it's at for Windler. That's where he makes his money. That's where his stock is the highest as a prospect. He's an underrated passer. He can make plays within the flow of the offense. And I think that's something that Budenholzer really values is a player who can pass and dribble a little bit. And Windler certainly fits that category as a guy who can, you know, you're not going to want to put him in a pick and roll and let him be that primary ball handler. But just in the flow of the Bucks' offense, he can really... He can step up and make this the basic reads, which I think is something that is necessary. So that's another thing is is his passing. He he'll be twenty three in September, which is a red flag. Um, I get red flag isn't the right word, but he'll be twenty three in September, which is older than most prospects. Um, sort of like Brogdon was. How much growth does he really have? That's kind of the question: is is he getting close to his peak as a player? So that's just something to keep in mind that he's an older prospect. He'll be twenty three in September, and then his other biggest weakness is lack of strength. He's like I said, six seven and a half, hundred ninety six pounds, which is not. He's not strong. He's talked about putting on some muscle since the end of the college season, but he still needs to add a lot of that. That's unless he's able to add, you know, a good amount of strength, his game will be limited to shooting. It's hard for him to get to the bucket and fight off the defenders, especially in the physical game that the NBA is. Um, some of you may laugh at that considering how physical it was couple decades ago, but it's still a physical sport. You need that muscle to be able to fight through the contact. So unless he's able to add that, it's really, you know, that's his probably 
biggest weakness as a player. So moving on, the next my other one of my other favorites, like I said, I have three favorites. So we got Dylan Windler and then Carson Edwards, the junior point guard out of Purdue. So some measurements here is he is six foot. Um, 199 pounds. So he, even though he's seven inches shorter than Windler, he outweighs him. Um, and his wingspan is six, six, which is pretty good. He averaged 24.3 points, um, during his junior year at Purdue. And you probably know him cause he went off in the tournament. He really had a terrific tournament and that's what has, you know, really brought his stock up, um, and he he's in the mold of a Lou Williams type player. That's really what you think of when you think of Carson Edwards is Lou Williams, somebody who is an elite pull-up three-point shooter. He can create his own shot off the bounce. That would be his role in this Bucks offense. Somebody who can come in with that second unit, you know, get more of that, get more freedom with Giannis or Middleton on the bench. And so somebody who can do that sort of stuff, lead that second unit you know, really just thrive with the ball in his hands. He's got great range. He can shoot off the dribble. Like I said, he can shoot off the catch a little bit as well. He has really good handles, which allows him to get deep into the defense. He's not a good finisher by any means. He lacks athleticism and the ability to score around the rim. So that's really an issue for him, but he has good handles, which helps him kind of get to anywhere on the floor. It also plays into that ability to knock down shots from deep off of pull-ups. Um, defensively, he's a big old question mark. He's li- he's a liable he's a liability on defense. He's liable to give up buckets. Um, we I don't know, you know, if the Bucks would trust him, they'd have to hide him a lot on defense, which would be an issue. But it's a doable issue. You know, if you put him on the floor with other strong defenders, you know, with uh, guys like Middleton or even if Middleton's off, like a, a Sterling Brown, a Tony Snell, you know, Brooke Lopez, a DJ Wilson, like if you can surround him with four other good defensive players, then I think that that would be all right. And his other biggest weakness is also something that I think would fit well with the Bucks. is kind of he's... He is the size of a point guard, but he does not pass like a point guard at all. He's not a good passer. But once again, that's easy for the Bucks to mask up if they can put him on the floor with other secondary ball handlers. Uh, put him on the floor with Giannis or Middleton. You know, there's just different options that they can do depending on what they want, what role they want him to play. And he can space the floor off the ball at times as well. Or he could just bring the ball up the floor, initiate the offense, get to his spot, and then come back around for a little pick and roll, pick and pop you know, whatever. So I think that there are ways that for the Bucks to hide his weakness. He's very hot and cold, which sort of worries me, but he's this is why I'm high on him because his weaknesses kind of match up for the Bucks to be able to cover them up and be able to work with him on that. So I think that is really important. Um, my The third favorite guy that I have highlighted in this year's draft is Ty Jerome. He is a junior out of Virginia. He's six five and a half, um, with a six four wingspan. That's not good, but he, you know, that didn't seem to stop him in college. You know, he was a very good defender. He racked up a good amount of steals. He really his athleticism is what limits him. And it's really like what prevents his ceiling from being very high, but he's 
extremely smart basketball player. He has a very high basketball IQ, which really allows him to do a lot of different things, even with that lack of athleticism. He's extremely smart on the floor. He plays very hard. He's a good passer. He's unselfish. He'll play within the flow of the Bucks' offense. He'll keep that ball moving side to side. He reminds a lot of people about, about he reminds a lot of people of Malcolm Brogdon, minus maybe some of that tunnel vision that Bucks fans get frustrated with. He's Ty Jerome, going back to Ty Jerome, is very unselfish. He will play within the flow of the offense. He'll swing the ball when needed. But he's also a nice three-point shooter. He made 39.9% of his threes. So that's really the benefit, too, is it's another guy who can spread the floor, which is a theme really throughout these three guys that I highlighted. They can all shoot the ball. They all do it a little bit differently. Ty Jerome is probably the least exciting shooter of the three. He is the least exciting shooter of the three, but he understands his role as well, and he knows what's expected of him. He knows how to play within the game, and he can really punish defenses as well for sinking in and helping off of him. So I think that's a really good... uh, a really good fit for the Bucks. So those three are kind of my three favorite, Jerome, Edwards, and Windler. And all three could very well go before the Bucks pick. I mean, they're all very good players, but it would also be great if Milwaukee can land one of those three players. I'd be absolutely ecstatic. You could probably hear me screaming and hooting and hollering if that happens. All right, so I want to highlight two other players that the Bucks could draft that could fit right in there. The first guy is Cameron Johnson. Uh, he's a senior out of North Carolina. He is six eight and a half with a six ten wingspan. The biggest downfall just right away is that he's already twenty three years old. You know, age is such a deterrent. People's teams people tend to like those nineteen twenty year olds who still have room to grow. Cameron Johnson probably isn't that guy, but. He's the most prolific shooter in this draft. He's the best outside shooter in this draft. He knocked down 45.7%. I mean, 45.7% of his threes. That is just freaking insane. He is a stud. He's the guy that I'm specifically talking about. The guy who can run off screens, who can get his feet set in a hurry, who can launch threes from the NBA range, you know, J.J. Redick style. Clay Thompson style. That's that's this guy. That's Cameron Johnson. He's the best shooter in the draft, hands down. And he's really mastered that off-screen shooting. And and with his size, he can shoot over smaller players when needed too, which I think will he he might need to do because he's not athletic, which is one of his biggest downfalls is he can't do much other than catch and shoot, which maybe you don't need to. Maybe if he falls to number 30 in the draft, the Bucks don't need him to do much more than just catch and shoot. Um, but we'll see how that all plays out. As far as his defense goes, like that, he's awful on defense. He's not good. He's not a good defender. And the Bucks would have to hide him on defense too, which might be a little bit more difficult to do at his position and his size but if they get him it'd be solely for that shooting he'd stretch the floor he'd be ready to come in right away and play some pretty decent minutes for the Bucks and really make teams pay for loading up on Giannis like we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals so I think he's a player that really would be interesting to watch and somebody that will probably go before the Bucks picks before the Bucks pick 
but if he's still there, he's definitely in play. All right, the fifth and final player that I want to highlight tonight is Cabanelli. He is the nephew of Dikembe Mutombo, and boy, has he inherited Mutombo's shot-blocking ability. This guy is a beast, and he protects the rim like nobody's business. He's listed as just slightly over 6'10", and he has a wingspan of 7'3", so... He's the guy that could come in and defend that defend the rim for the Bucks. He can really, you know, just deter shots. He'll he could allow Giannis to continue to be that secondary shot blocker, kind of that roamer. So we'll see if he lasts to the Bucks pick. He has a really good chance, probably the best chance of any of these five players that I named at falling to number 30. It, that shot blocking is what it's all about. He can do a little bit of pick and pop. Maybe not to the NBA three-point line, but he could potentially get there. Defense is what it's all about. It's the name of the game for this guy. He can be a stud. He can defend. He, If he develops, he can defend the pick and roll. He can block shots. He could switch on to point guards if needed. You know, he can do a little bit of everything if he ends up getting to that point. So we'll see how that plays out. Of course, he has his weaknesses as well. I don't know if it's a lack of basketball IQ, but he just doesn't isn't fundamentally sound. He doesn't do the little things like boxing out or screening, that kind of stuff. So I think that that's something to keep an eye on. Maybe if they can bring back Brook Lopez and Lopez can help work with him um, a little bit, then Cabanelli can Cabanelli can develop and really come into that, come into his own as a player. So we'll see how that all plays out. Next week I'll talk about maybe some predictions for this draft and how that would play out but of course this could all be for not the bucks could end up trading their pick on draft night the stepping rule uh is a rule that prevents teams from trading back-to-back first round picks so that's you know you've probably heard of it with the bucks owing this pick to phoenix they haven't been able to trade another pick immediately after because you can't trade back-to-back picks however there's a way to get around that and that's if you trade it on draft night so the bucks could still ship their 30th pick if it happens to be on draft night and the reason they would do that would be to to cut salary they got all these big guys you know they got lopez they got middleton they got Brogdon, George Hill, Nikola Mirotic, all pending free agents or will probably be pending free agents. And so the ownership group might want to cut a little money so they could tie this 30th pick to Tony Snell or to Ursan Ilyasova or to somebody like that. And then the Bucks wouldn't have a pick on draft night. So this could all be for naught, but we'll see how this plays out. The ownership, they've talked about being committed to winning. They have a great team in place, but is a small market. You got to do what you got to do. It sucks that it has to be part of the game, but it's also a realistic factor that we have to weigh in and talk about when talking about this 30th overall pick. So it's really the Bucks' only chance to offload a contract like Snell or Ursa. Nobody's going to take either one of those guys on their own. Bucks don't have, we talked about at the beginning of this podcast about the draft picks or lack thereof that they have in the next four years. So they really don't have other other picks to ship so we'll see we'll see if they end up moving this pick or keeping it 
Well, that's everything that I have for today. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I hope you check us out next week as well. This podcast drops on Thursday. Uh, it's called Bucks Film Room Podcast, but you can find us under the Brew Hoop feed, and you can find us on brewhoop.com, on Spotify, iTunes, or everywhere else podcasts are these days. And you can find me, Brian Sampson, your host, on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I'll catch you next time, Bucks fans.